would always meet. You talk about teams meeting. We would meet at the dairy bar. Mm-hmm. That's where you pick up the bus to go to the yeah. ball games. And, you know, I thought about this. They had a heck of a business going because everybody was there, parents and everybody. Oh, yeah. Before and after the games because that's where you'd drop them off and you'd either get your car or your parents would pick you up there. And at Imboden, you had the dairy bar and you had Thelma's. Those were the two places that you ate. None of those, I think the dairy bar is closed, and Thelma's had five or six different owners and nothing there now. We, we had a dairy queen when I was young in Arkadelphia, and then it decided it didn't want to pay its franchise fees anymore, so it became a daisy queen at that point. <laughs> <laughs> same place, same, same thing, food. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. just wasn't part of the DQ national chains, the daisy queen. And my bribe on Sunday nights, because we were Southern Baptists like you, and you went to church on Sunday right. night. Training too. union. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Learn that sword drill. <laughs> that's exactly and, uh, right. and that's not martial arts for you, no, not Baptists. But uh, we go to training union, then church. And my bribe, if I was good, you get a little tired by Sunday nights. You'd already been in Sunday morning Sunday school and already been in Sunday morning church. But if I acted good, then we would go to the Dairy Queen, later Daisy Queen, and get a banana split and yeah. split it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the family. But that that was always the Sunday night, Brian, because they were actually open on Sunday night. Which isn't. Which very few places were. Well, there was, um, at Portia, there was a dairy bar, you know, a local-owned dairy bar. And that's where I had my first Frito pie, you know, where they oh, yeah. in the actual bag of Fritos and they dumped uh Well, some chili claim that was invented it. in Arkansas. I, I don't yeah. doubt it. Rex, I, that reminds me of, you know, the Portia picnic was a... Annually, which is no longer right. No longer. See, it was still going on even when Fourth I went to work in the governor's office. It was a office. big deal. I can Huge. remember seeing oh, Favas yeah. and Rockefeller and all the all the politicians up and down yeah. the ballot uh, were all there, and it then it coincided with the watermelon harvest, mm-hmm. and uh, Portia in that area, that sand hill area between yeah. Portia and, and Walnut Ridge, was big commercial watermelon growing, and they would the grove there in Portia, the grounds of the old school. Uh, was just a wonderful place. I mean, it was a fair. Carnival was there, and politicians, and and I guess the corning was at the same time, wasn't it? Always. Oh the 4th yeah. Of July? We, when I worked in the governor's office, we would go every Fourth of July. We would do Porsche at that time, and uh, then Corning had a big one, and Pigot had a big one. Pigot so that's a Northeast Arkansas thing. Rector, to be different, has theirs on Labor Day. It's when their big picnic is. But do Clay they still County have it? I big, don't know. Oh, yeah. Still have, as far as I know, the Rector Labor Day picnic. And it's really a homecoming. It's where yeah. people from surrounding states yeah. will come back. Yeah. Yeah. And they will come back to Corning and Pigot for the 4th of July. Uh, in the case of Rector, they'll come back there for, for Labor Day as their homecoming. And, of course, the debate that we had, uh, the whole that part of the, the county, talked about with the watermelon. And, of course, Porsche melons were great, but we always favored Cave City melons. Well, you know, Cave City always claims it has the sweetest melons, and they've always said, hopes are bigger, but ours are sweeter. That's their their claim. They had the famous uh, Now, I'm not going to start a watermelon (laughs) war. I'm from southwest Arkansas. I think the hope watermelons not only are big, but they're pretty dead gum sweet, too. Well, Cave City was famous for their, they called them black diamonds, and they Mm -hmm. were round and real dark. But uh, I don't think they raise black diamonds anymore. They must not have been commercially viable or too hard. Well, my high school biology teacher at Arkadelphia High School was Lloyd Bright of the famous Bright family of Hope uh, Watermelon uh, Raisers, and he would tell the most fascinating stories about when he was a boy, uh, if they were expecting. They would leave those big melons in the field very late, trying to set a record with them, and if they were expecting a frost, 
that he has actually slept in the watermelon patch <laughs> with the melons, and they'd wrap blankets around it. And, uh, okay. and he, but he has slept with the big melons before. Well, one of the things that the kids used to do, I never did, of course, was to slip out at night into the watermelon patch and you know bust open melons and eat the heart mm-hmm. out of them. Uh, and there would be farmers sometime that would you know be out there guarding it, and yeah. you'd hear stories of people shooting shotguns over their head to run these boys off. Reminds me of one of my favorite stories of the old farmer that put the sign out because he was having that very same problem of kids coming in and stealing melons and uh, put a sign out and said, warning, there is a poison watermelon in this patch. And he came <laughs> back the next morning and there was a sign next to it that said, now there are two. <laughs> Oops, oh, that's a great <laughs> Well, I guess so much it, for his crop that year. I guess that like it, you don't think of Cave City as being able to grow anything, just old rock. And a lot of rocks, rocks, but watermelons but can they, survive they like on rocky that, yeah. soil, yeah. I remember There's something about the lime content. I, I'm not yeah, a soil specialist. Probably what it was. It grows so sweet melon. The lady that uh, you and I know, Wanda Rowe. You know, oh, absolutely. Wanda, who uh, won't mind me telling, I think probably just turned 93, maybe. She lives in... Uh, P Ridge now, but mm-hmm. she's from the Leatherwoods over there, Cave right. City, Norfolk. She asked and her brother-in-law was the famous preacher, Rowe, preacher that Rowe. Baseball fans will know. I sent out once a email to friends and board members about just about reading and what are you reading, and I was talking about my piles of books that I've got a pile in the living room and a pile in the bedroom, and and I said sometimes when I'm downstairs watching TV, uh, my wife and my mother-in-law was living with us then uh, would say, why don't you go upstairs and we're tired of watching these old World Series that you're watching on Major League Baseball Channel. So I was telling that story. And uh, Miss Rowe sent me an email back, and she said, Paul, when you're watching those old series, do you ever watch the 49 series between the Dodgers and the Yankees? <laughs> she said, famous. I was there. Wow. And she said, my brother-in-law, Preacher Rowe, won the only game for the Brooklyn Dodgers that year. And she said, I sat with Roy Campanella's family and Jackie Robinson's family. Oh, how neat is that? <laughs> how neat is and that? And she said, Preacher always thought a lot of Jackie. <laughs> but ain't that a wonderful story? Yeah. We need to see if some of these archives around here get her on tape. Yeah, yeah. The the they need to get her. Perhaps the Butler some Center. Some of the stories. Of yes. Famous archives could get. Yes, maybe the Prior Center. That's Pryor up Center. close to it. Yeah. yeah. Somebody needs to needs to get that's Mrs. Rowe on tape. That, that's yeah. a that's a, a wonderful story of. Uh, now you know we were talking about Northwest Arkansas. I've done several of these trips doing Civil War stuff. One of the really neat places up there is Cane Hill. Yeah, I've been wanting to go and I haven't been. Well, it's just spending thousands of dollars oh, rehabilitating. Millions. Yeah, really have wow. done a wonderful job. So you can go to Northwest Arkansas and do uh, Pea Ridge, which is one of the great parks. The the Civil War experts will which tell is you national park. It's a service. national park service. And then Prairie Grove State Park. State yeah, park. But very nicely done. Very also. well done. Very yeah. well interpreted. And they say Pea Ridge is is maybe as close as you'll find to a battlefield that looks the way it did at the mm-hmm. time of the battle. And Cane Hill, which is just down the road from uh, from Prairie Grove, is it's going to be a destination. I mean, they're, they've got a museum. They've restored the buildings and the old academy that was there. And really going to be a neat, neat opportunity. One thing that they are now doing to make it even more natural at Pea Ridge is the Park Service now has a major project to make sure the landscape looks as closely as possible as it would have in the 1860s. That means they're cleaning out a lot of the cedars, which have become quite invasive. Cedars are native to Arkansas, but then they get overpopulated, so they're cleaning those out. They're planting a lot of natural grasses, and 
one thing that's exciting to me, uh, you and I have talked about this off the air as an old quail hunter, is that they are partnering with the Game and Fish Commission, and that is a major Bob White Quail demonstration. Yeah. Bob White Bob White Quail demonstration project. Yeah. Uh, they are to try to bring back quail populations in Arkansas. I was part of a meeting recently out at the Game and Fish Commission because quail hunting was such yeah. a part of our culture in Arkansas and uh, uh, our old friend, the historian Michael Dugan at uh, Jonesboro has taken that on as a project. Yeah. And uh, Brian Hendricks recently in the wrote Arkansas about, Democrat Gazette yeah. wrote a very yeah. nice column yeah, about Dr. Dugan's efforts in mentioned that area. Mentioned the Mantis Council. Yes. We've given a grant... Uh, to, uh, I guess it was to Arkansas State, what, and they brought teachers in? Yeah, for in tr- and, teacher training. And, and I went up, and the there were literally culture. people from all over the state that came to take part in that. You remember we saw uh, Dr. Dugan at uh, West Memphis at the Historical Association, and you and I were talking about it. He just walked up behind us and started doing the Bob White whistle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's tenacious, as you know, when he gets on something. Well, when we were up there for the, on one of those trips, we were at Pea Ridge, and they uh, brought out the guys and fired the cannon. Uh-huh. But one of the guys that works there is one of the interpreters. He's a big bird hunter. Well, and maybe he's helping lead he's that. He's helping effort. lead yeah. it, and he he's convinced that this is going to happen. Well, I was part of a meeting recently at the Game and Fish Commission where they brought in some people, and I've written enough columns about quail. They knew I had an interest uh, because that's what my dad and I grew up doing during this time of year. And uh, so they brought in a group and what they were telling us is basically to sustain a population, you need about 1,500 contiguous acres. Mm-hmm. So you need adjoining landowners in a yeah. lot of cases yeah. to join up and say, we're going to do controlled burns, we're going to plant native grasses. But they're finding out that the native grasses actually are better for a lot of, uh, a lot of cattle. So they're trying to get more cattle farmers to switch yeah. back to some of the more native grasses. You know, I was disappointed... Uh, in the weather recently, you and I were going to have the opportunity to go up to Piggott. Huh, so yeah, the floods got us. Yeah. The uh, Hemingway quail hunt and duck mm-hmm. hunt and and uh, quail supper, but yeah, uh, the the flooding uh, knocked that out. But I was I was thinking about that, and I, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of Hemingway, and of course mm-hmm. the uh, the Hemingway Pfeiffer Museum is a great place, and he, uh, Piggott is where Hemingway wrote a farewell to arms. Mm-hmm. But Rex, I keep making this case to people, and, and so far they're not buying it, but I think some extra effort needs to go into this. If you'll have a close reading of a farewell to arms, and when he talks about Lieutenant Henry, who was with the Italian army, when the, the Austrians broke through the Italian lines and the Italians began to uh, retreat, and the description of them crossing the river in retreat to me, reminds me of crossing the Spring River at Imboden. So I'm, I'm afraid I'm not buying either. I'm convinced that Hemingway was over there having a <laughs> uh, fishing trip floating down the river, and that really Imboden <laughs> is the inspiration for a farewell to arms. I haven't got that nailed down yet. 